What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Hub Podcast. I'm Christian Naylor, joined with the awesome Micah Hescock and the amazing Garrett Crawford. Hey, we are finishing up our Overlook series, and I have really enjoyed this series. I've learned tons, and we hope you guys have as well. Hey, if this is your first time joining us, uh, we encourage you to go back. I don't even know which one the first one started off this series, uh, but to go back uh, and check out all of the episodes from the Overlook series. Uh, and basically what it is, is we're looking at different doctrines and different theologies that uh, might be taught in the church, but are oftentimes overlooked and not really thought upon or studied upon or even talked about. Uh, so we are finishing up this series today with Ecclesiology. And first off, I just want to say, boys, How's it going? What is up, brother? Um, we're uh, we're recording this from afar. Yeah, not from a fire, but from afar. Yeah, yeah. If you're in Russell County, yeah, it is from. A, it, you would be concerned that there was a fire going on. Um, <laughs> no, uh, it was eight episodes ago, Christian. This is episode thirty. Episode twenty-three, we did the Trinity. Um, wow. So it was eight. We've this is our eighth episode of Overlooked and our final one for for this series. Yeah, it's been awesome. I've enjoyed it. Um, as you alluded to saying you learned a lot, I'm, I echo those sentiments that I've learned a ton. Um, listeners can tell I'm not qualified to speak on a lot of these things. So uh, I've learned a lot and hopefully alongside the listeners. So um, yeah, it's been good stuff. Well, today, if you are listening and it, the sound is a little bit different where we are doing it from a Zoom call um, for today and then for next week we're going to record the next the podcast for next week as well um, today so they'll both sound the same um, Christian has the wrong um, HIPAA HIPAA <laughs> violation HIPAA I'm calling the health department just kidding <laughs> you don't have HIPAA because you're not a healthcare worker I think I think that's <laughs> how, are you, how are you handling it Christian are you well we're handling it pretty good we uh me and my wife both have it so we uh both have sore throats I can't taste or smell, which is not tasting anything is the weirdest thing in the world. Yeah, I've heard that that is the worst part of like, the virus. It seriously is the worst part. Like, I mean, sore throat, I hate that, but you can take medicine for that. But the taste is like, I don't even want to eat anything because you can't enjoy it. Yeah. You know, like it's one thing to be quarantined and watch movies, but if you ain't got snacks to go with it, uh, <laughs> taste, it kind of sucks. But uh, no, it's good. We um, yeah, Isabella of, said that if she got the virus, she would try to start eating healthy because she couldn't taste the unhealthy. Well, uh, that's what, yeah, that's what I've kind of, well, I haven't ate chocolate. I guess that counts for something. It's not too bad. Well, good. Glad you all are uh, doing good with that. Well, <laughs> so we are studying, we're looking at ecclesiology today. Uh, do, you, do you all know anything the about study of Ecclesiastes? <laughs> yeah. Ecclesiastes. <laughs> well, Ecclesiastes just means um, the, the preacher, basically. Um, or, uh, I'm trying to think. There's a little bit more to it. Um, but Ecclesiastes is a transliteration. Um, the, it, it basically, the word Ecclesiastes means the one who addresses an assembly. Um, so that word is a Greek word, not a Hebrew word. Um, so whenever they took the, whenever they took the, the, what is called the Septuagint, which is the Greek translation of the Hebrew Bible, they took that word, um, 
the Hebrew word and make, called it Ecclesiastes. And so in the book Ecclesiastes, you don't know who authored it. You just know that the main author is called Koalith, which is the Hebrew word for teacher. And so Ecclesiastes is the Greek word for the one who addresses the assembly, which kind of is a teacher. Um, but that connects to ecclesiology. Ecclesiology is just the study of the assembly, the study of, in our context, the study of the church, um, because it comes from the Greek word ekklesia. Um, and that just means an assembly or a gathering. Particularly, it was originally meant for a, like a um, gathering of uh, a town or like a gathering of people together to come to a judgment of something. So like if um, someone was being hung on the square, well, basically like if someone was being condemned, if someone was being condemned or someone was about to be judged or someone did something wrong, someone was a witch. Well, yeah, they would come together in an assembly and discuss it. Um, But then that word became known as the assembly of believers, the gathering of believers. Can you Um, imagine being at one of those witch trials where they're just basically like, She's a witch, and they just burn her because I don't think she's a witch. I can't believe they actually did that. Can you imagine? Man, that's crazy. I mean, like, what what is it in? See if they float. What? How does it work? Like float like a duck, or what? What is it? If they if they float, they're a witch. If they drown, (laughs) I guess I'm. And then they die if they drown. So it's like, well, all right, well, we messed up on that one. (laughs) So, and and that's just evidence of bad ecclesiology. That's uh, of poor. Poor adherence to I the guess church. they would think I was a witch. I float. Well, <laughs> one thing you, when you study, and this is kind of what I've been this entire semester of my of my classes is I've I've taken this class called patristic theology, which is basically just the the theology of the early church and the main proponents of the early church. And what you come to find out when you're reading all this stuff is there is a lot of good that takes place um, within the growth of the church. And there's a lot of bad that takes place. Um, There's a lot of highs and a lot of lows. And so if if people look at Christians today, or if people look from the outside in, look at the church today um, and say, man, the church is corrupt. The church is messed up. uh, You know, I I don't want to belong to the church. Well, it's really just based off of the, the corruption that someone might see in the church is um, stems from man's desire to put their own politics and desire for power, power yeah. into um, something that was meant to be solely for God. So yeah. what is what is the church? Is it Jamestown Christian Church? Is it the Baptist Church? Is it um, Christ or Church of Christ? Is it Methodist Church? So. Historically, um, the church was the the original church was called the Catholic Church, um, and not the Catholic in the sense that we think of. We when we think of Catholicism now, we think of saint worship and um, you know uh, uh, hail marys and stuff like that. The Catholic Church at between was the, that term Catholic Church started being used around the two hundreds. And that word Catholic just means universal. And so the Catholic church was just the church of all people. Mm. So you had individual churches that would sprout up within like kind of miniature ecclesias that just little gatherings, little assemblies. 
And then the Catholic church was the term that was used for the whole church, the universal church, everyone yeah. that all these little ecclesias gathered together. But then, so we go to different churches and we all work at different churches, but yet we are a part of the same church. Yeah. So mm. in, in the olden huh. term, it would be, we're a part of the Catholic church. Right. We're a part of the universal we, church. We use uh, Jamestown. Yeah. Bucky always says big C church uh, yeah. and little C church. When he, and what he means by that is talking about if we're talking about the, the church uh, as a group, he, he'll, you know, he'll be like, yeah, the big C church, meaning the church universal, like Garrett's saying. Um, and then if he's talking about an event or something at Jamestown, he will, he might say the little C church about us uh, as a church. Um, but we have different churches, Garrett Christian and I, we all work at different churches uh, and Christian works in a different denomination, but yet we are all a part of the same church right. um, and the church universal. So, so that's kind of, you know, I, I never want to assume what people may or may know. So um, as we get started and we talk about what the church is, you may go to a Methodist church or whatever. If you believe and follow the same Jesus we follow, we're a part of the, the same church. Um, and that's important. Which, which makes it easy that, you know, it's part of why we can work together. It's part of why we can do this podcast together because we, yeah. um, we have the same agreements on the things of Christ. We have the same agreements on the things of Scripture. Yeah. And we're able to work together for the purpose of what God has called us to do, to glorify Him in all things. Yeah. And, you know, for example, the, the beauty of the Church of Christ is is even though all three of us are from different churches, and even though I'm from a a different denomination. Here's the thing. If I'm talking to, let's say I'm talking to a youth, let's say a high schooler comes up to me and uh, maybe it's a high schooler I haven't met here in Russell Springs. And maybe we're just talking at a game or something. Uh, and I, I really want him to get involved in church. Uh, but let's say this kid, he lives in Jamestown. Um, let's say he lives right up, like right off the square in, in Jamestown. You know, here's the thing. I would love for him to come to my youth group, yeah. but in reality, I'm probably going to point him to Micah's youth group. Uh, and, and I think that's because, you know, it's not uh, a competition for me to try to grab a, no. a kid, but I know that Micah is a part of the same mission I'm a part of. Mm. Uh, and, and why not Micah, that guy, that kid is in Micah's territory. Why not I let him uh, and point him towards Micah's church? And he's, you know, a kid like that, like you said, like you're saying, is someone who is not maybe from a family that goes to church. They're more likely to, go to a church that's right down the road uh, to start, to start. Exactly. Um, and, you know, if it's like I have to drive to 15 minutes to get, well, well, I just stay home, play video games. It's like, oh, I can literally walk because it's 200 yards away. Like, I'll just, I'll just run up there and see what it's all about. Um, so, yeah, man, I think that's huge. And I think, um, you know, uh, just we, we always kind of, we kind of use the phrase, we just want to get people on campus. We kind of use that phrase of like when we do events, we just want to get people to come and see what we are about. And that being said, hopefully we are as a church and as members and, and congregation members, we are about Jesus. And if we are, people will see that and recognize that. Um, and I say, I mean, you know, we are about Jesus obviously, but um, you know, we mess up sometimes and we don't always reflect the way we should, but. I think a big, a bit, one of the biggest pitfalls, not pitfalls, I guess, shortcomings or just kind of one of the, the stigmas of the church from the outside world is that we're, we don't seem unified. Mm. Um, and, and I would say that, that a lack of unification is not the, um, that's not like the default setting 
of the church. I'd say the vast majority of individual churches do want to be unified as the universal church. Where you have a break off of the unity is where you have individual churches who are more concerned about glorifying themselves or glorifying their mission and remove God out of the equation. I mean, you see that historically, like specifically starting in the 900s, that within that was kind of when um, the Roman Catholic Church and the um, Eastern Orthodox Church they split, and that was the first big split. It happened in the 800s or 900s. I can't remember the exact same, um, the exact date. But what ended up happening is the Roman Catholic Church they started to hold the Pope, the kind of the leader of the church, in high regard, and. As a result, you could have a pope that wasn't super like focused on glorifying God and was more focused on their own power and prestige, and it could send everything else in the shambles. And we don't necessarily see that as much like, you know, with, with um, what we're called here, Christian church, B- Baptist church, Church of Christ. Um, we, we're Protestant. You know, we, we split off. There's three sects of of what is called Christendom, um, which Christendom is the overarching term for anyone that believes in Jesus Christ as God. There's Eastern Orthodox, there's Roman Catholicism, and then there's Protestant. And Protestant then has a bunch of denominations that break off of it. So um, Southern Baptist, Christian Church, Church of Christ, those are all breakoffs of the Protestant movement. Um, and as Protestants, we don't really look to the Pope. You know, Eastern Orthodox doesn't either. And so you might say, well, if the Pope's corrupt, that doesn't affect the Protestants. But what does happen is these individual churches can have a, a leader who is more focused about their own agenda and not the agenda of God. And when that happens, you know, everyone's really quick to point out the foibles of individual church leaders who are more concerned about their own glory and gratification than about God's. And that's what really ends up giving the universal church a bad name. Yeah. I was going to say, you know, you see um, a scandal or someone, um, a claim that is made against a pastor or, and and it's typically, if you hear about them, it's typically a a mega church pastor because they make national news. Um, No matter, probably no matter what I I would do, I wouldn't make them national news because I live in Russell County. So, my point is like like Garrett's saying when something happens even there even at a specific church it does affect the church universal um, because it people who are not church goers or who don't follow Jesus will see that and of course they they implant that on all of the church which you know sometimes doesn't feel fair but you know I mean it almost it, we're all in the same church right I mean we all we all are part of the same church and and it's unfortunate that things like that happen. Um, so it, it, to me, like Garrett was saying, um, that it seems like a big thing is from the outside looking in, we're, we're not unified at all. But to me, that is the most um, clear evidence of unification with the church universal is if one person in a church in Massachusetts or whatever does something, it affects churches in California because because of the fallout, because of what happened. Um, and so I think that, to me, that even proves further the, the unified church. And, and right, the and, church and, and looking at 1 Corinthians, um, 
you know, if we look at First Corinthians, we're seeing that we are, as a church, uh, though several denominations and all around across the world, we are still one body. First Corinthians 12, uh, chapter 12, verse 12 says, for just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body through many are one body, so it is with Christ. And the the church, um, it, it is a body. It is a working body that has several different members, and all members have different jobs and different parts and different talents, and they do different things. And uh, But the thing is, sometimes uh, maybe uh, the finger gets hurt. Uh, yeah. or maybe sometimes you, you stub your toe. And Ooh. I think that happens with the church when you see um, – you see people fall, you know, of course, as brothers, we're supposed to be there for them. Right. Yeah. You don't crucify them. Yeah, exactly. But there is hard, I think, for people outside of the church, you know, for example, you said when, when, when church leaders fall, uh, we all know of, um, it's out public now, but, but Carl Lentz from Hillsong church, Mm. uh, man, he, he has fallen and I know it's going to take a huge toll on believers, not just in the Hillsong church, Mm. But but across the nation, because a lot of people looked up to Carl. You know, we even he had an impact uh, on a lot of people. Yeah, I mean, he was even on. Um, we were talking about he was on a very popular secular podcast. Um, I think it was just a few months ago, and yep. he was on there talking about uh, and really like, evangelizing yeah. too. Yeah, and now people on the outside are going to see that and say, "Well, gee whiz, why am I going to?" try to buy into that if the preacher can't even practice it exactly yeah especially you look that whole secular audience that that particular podcast had now they're like man we thought we had one good but it just kind of proves to show that hey all these christians are hypocrites and it's hard but but i think to your point um you know about and and the the hard part about this is people look to christianity i've kind of said this before um people look to I think people look to other religions and other things and they look at the leader of it, right? Mm-hmm. They look at the leader of that religion or of that whatever and say, that's the example. They're pretty good. So it must be a good religion. They don't necessarily look at the followers. I don't think Yeah. when they look at Christianity, they look at the followers and that <clears throat> our faith, our religion, our, our faith in Jesus is based on the truth that we are human. We are sinful. We are imperfect. We are to be <clears throat> frank, pretty muddy and trashy because we're humans, right? We're full of sin. And and it's something that we will never shake off in the great words of Taylor Swift. We will never shake that off um, because we are human. We are sinful. And it's not that we accept that and we live in it, it, but that's, that's what our, that's what we're bound to on this earth until the return of Jesus is, is that we are bound to a life that is sinful, but through Jesus, we are reconciled to God. And, And so I think people look at Christians and for, for what you're saying about, about Carl Lentz is people will look to that and say, well, if he can't do it, why would I even try? And the point of that is that's the whole point is we as humans can't do it. We don't have it figured out. We're going to mess up and they need, we need to start being better about saying, you know, we, we say sometimes look at us, you know, even to like our students or whatever, like try to mimic the life we live as we follow Jesus. And, and I think we screw that up because we need to be telling people, don't look to me. I'm a human. I'm a sinner. You need to look to Jesus. Look at what he did on earth. Now we are supposed to represent him. We mm-hmm. absolutely are supposed to represent him and we're supposed to do it well. Um, but we need to be saying he is the goal. We should be running after and chasing after him 
and and do our best to imitate the life he has lived. And and I think people look to Christians as if, if, as followers and say, well, if they are messing up and if that's what that's what Christianity is about, then I don't want to be a part of that. A part of that. Well, no, Christianity is about what Jesus did, and we're trying keyword trying to imitate it and allowing God and His Spirit to fill us up, um, and and so that we can imitate and do our best to imitate Jesus. And, and I think. The best thing the church can do in order to do what you're saying, in order to imitate Jesus, to, to try to follow him, is to recognize the, the two kingdoms difference. And, and what I mean by that is to recognize that there's a kingdom of this world mm. and there's a kingdom of heaven. And the church is meant to essentially be the, the embassy uh, for the kingdom of heaven. So the church is the king, the small sliver of the kingdom of heaven that exists, exists on earth. So like, if you look at a foreign embassy, like uh, my wife is from Brazil, if she would go to the Brazilian embassy in the United States, as soon as she steps on the porch of that Brazilian embassy, even though the embassy is in America, she is standing on Brazilian Brazilian. soil, right? right? And though that embassy is in America, the Brazilian embassy is Brazilian soil. Okay, the church is the same way. Even though the church right now exists in the kingdom of the world, the church is meant to be the soil of the kingdom of heaven. We're meant to be an uh, implant of the kingdom of heaven. And I've talked about Augustine before, St. Augustine of Hippo, but um, one of his greatest writings that's really kind of touted um, among scholars and, and people today is called um, the city of God and the city of man. And it's this writing where it, it took place. Um, I don't know how well you all know your, um, your Roman history, but in the 400s and uh, 400, 410 AD, the Visigoths were, they were a um, barbarian uh, kingdom and they came and invaded Rome and Rome was this shining uh, city it was it was kind of like the the big piece of civilization and no one ever thought that it would fall and and it became christianized you know rome became you know, the emperor became christian and, and the city of rome became christian and then the visigoths these barbarians came and invaded rome and just destroyed rome and leveled it to the ground and every all the christians were like okay well this what in the world is going on? Is, does this mean God's casting judgment on us? Did we mess up? What, what's going on here? And so Augustine wrote this book, wrote this um, piece called The City of God and the City of Man. And he says, listen, anything that happens here on earth has nothing to do with the city of God. The city of God is dwelling here on earth through the church, but we don't belong here. Uh, we're not adherents to the city of man. We have a different citizenship, and God knows that we have that citizenship. And while we're here, we're just like Micah said, we're just trying to imitate him who is our heavenly king, and yeah. we're trying to follow follow him. And so when we live in the world and live for the city of man and bring the city of man's ideals into the city of God, into our embassy here on earth, into the church— what we're ended up, what we're doing is we're corrupting our king. We're corrupting the kingdom of God that's supposed to be set apart. Um, and so one of the, I think every pitfall that takes place within churches stems from the church bringing in the world into their setting. 
And that doesn't mean that we're supposed to not reach people where they're at, that we're not supposed to identify, you know, trends and context that's going on around us. But when we let those trends and context and situations impact the way the kingdom of God is supposed to operate here, that's when, that, that's when schisms and, and uh, things like what happened to Carl Lentz takes place. Um, and, and that's what we have to be careful of within, within the church is making sure we maintain a separation between the city of God and the city of man while we're also trying to bring the city of God into the city of man. Right. So what, what, is, the, what is the goal of the church? You know, there, there is, um, we have the body of believers. Uh, we are all part of that body. Uh, but now, what is our goal as a church, even though we're in different church buildings, and maybe you're listening to this and you don't even live in the state of Kentucky, uh, but you're still part of the church of Jesus Christ, uh, what, what is our goal? So let's talk about that. Um, the goal of the church, and I, I can go ahead and um, uh, start us off if that's okay. Uh, go for right? it, big dog. All right, my dogs. All right, so in Acts chapter 2, verse um verse 42 through 47, uh, we see a few purposes in the church. And I'm not, I'm not going to read that entire That's passage. the mission statement of the apostles. The That's mission statement that. of the apostles. There you go. Uh, and in that, we see some of the purposes of the church. And like I said, I'm not going to read that section. Um, you can go back and read it. But, but here's the things that, that the purpose of the churches include. Uh, it includes worship. Um, it includes teaching. It includes fellowship, it includes service, it includes outreach, and it includes prayer. Uh, and in Acts 2.42, um, if you're not familiar uh, with the book of Acts, in the book of Acts, we see the ascension of Jesus as he goes back uh, up in heaven, up to be with his father, knowing that he's coming back one day. But in that, we also see the start of the early church. Uh, and uh, as Jesus leaves, of course, uh, the Holy Spirit comes, uh, and, and then we see the church begin to form, and we begin to see them living together, and doing things together, and and giving to one another, and helping each other, and also, it's just, I mean, it's the perfect example of what the church is to look like, um, but in Acts 2, 42 through 47, we do see these things. We, we see that the church is to worship, uh, that we are to worship the Lord together, that uh, as a body of believers, um, we are to worship, we are to teach, teach the word of God, teach the truths of scripture, we're to have fellowship together, we're, we're to have that, that Christian community together, not just potluck meals, but um, this, this fellowship that, that includes intentional relationships. Uh, we're to serve one another, uh, we're to outreach to those who are not part of the church, and we are to pray uh, together. Um, do you guys have anything else uh, as far as purposes of the church? I think the purpose of the church can be summed up um, in the statement, we are to reflect God's glory and desire God's glory. Um, I, I've been reading this book um, by James McDonald. Do you know, either of you know James McDonald? Oh, yeah. Is he the owner of McDonald's? <laughs> no. <laughs> That's he's, Ronald, um, sorry. He's the, the lead minister. I think he's still the lead minister. This book's from a while ago, A Vertical Church which is, you know, it's, it's this big church that has plants all over the country and world. And are they and, next uh, to horizontal church? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, the point that he, in, in the name of vertical church, the point is that everything leads 
um, from God's glory. And, and one of, one of, I think the most critical points that he makes in, in this book is our goal as a church is to desire God's manifest presence. Um, the, that term is kind of an unusual term. We generally use the term transcendent, which means um, transcendence means that God comes to us, that God reveals himself to us, even though he's outside of our existence. He shows that he can move between realities, kind of like he can leave his existence and come into our realm, that he's transcendent. Um, James McDonald uses the term manifest presence, mean, meaning it's, it's not enough that we just believe God can be everywhere at once. It's not enough just to believe that God is omnipresent because he's omnipresence means that he's just all over the place at one time. The church should desire not God's omnipresence, but God's manifest presence, meaning that we desire when we gather together, we desire to be there, God to be there. We, we should feel as if our gatherings are incomplete unless we feel God is in the room. When, when we go to serve people, we should feel that our service is in, incomplete unless we're doing that service as the extension of God. Mm-hmm. Uh, everything we do as the church should stem from a desire for God's manifest presence to be there. And that stems from the desire for us to simply be and, and be a part of the glory of God and want to bear witness to the glory of God. And he uses the example of Moses in Exodus chapter 32 um, through 35, do you all know what happens in that, in that chapter? Um, it's the golden calf incident. Mm. One of my favorite pieces in Exodus because Moses comes down the mountain and the people had all made this golden calf and God was upset with them. And, and Moses makes them melt it down and then has everyone drink the gold, the melted gold. Can you imagine drinking yeah. molten gold? Oh my gosh. But the point of that text, I think, um, from what I can tell, I don't think the people, you know, they had just witnessed God manifest his presence in the Exodus. They had witnessed him bring Pharaoh, the most powerful man in the world, to his knees. They had witnessed him destroy the Egyptian army with water. I, I, I don't think the Israelites doubted God was there just because Moses went up on top of a mountain for 40 days. I think they just wanted to have his presence around them, and they built this calf and they started worshiping the calf as if that calf was Yahweh. They, they didn't say in the wording, they didn't say that this is a different God. They said, this is the Lord your God. They called the calf Yahweh. And that made God mad because they're saying, God's saying, listen, you're reducing me, the God of the universe, to a golden calf because you don't understand what it means to be a part of my glory. But it what was it a means big to witness calf. my glory. Yeah, what? But it was a big golden calf. No. <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, Moses comes down, makes him drink all of that. And then we see later on, as Moses is getting the tablets redone, that God says, you know, God says to Moses, what, I'll give you what you want. And, and Moses says, I just want to see your glory. Meaning Moses is like, I, I want what, what my people wanted. They, they just built a calf to try to see your glory. I want to see your actual glory. And so God showed him his back. And he was like, you can't actually see the fullness of my glory. And that, but that was what Moses wanted. He wanted to witness God. Now, the church today should have that same desire as Moses. We should never desire to do anything unless, like, our entire focus should be, I want to see God's glory. I want to see God's manifest presence. I want to, everything I do, 
should be with the intention of God being around me. If our sermons, if our worship, if our service, if our, um, if just our like potlucks, like you're saying, if they're not done with the desire of having God's manifest presence around us, then I don't think we're being what the church is meant to be. We're meant to be God's presence on earth. Well, we can't have God's presence, even if we have the best strategy for growing a church in, in history. And we can just grow churches left and right and plant churches all the time. If we're doing that without God's manifest presence, we're not being the church. Hmm. And I, so I think the manifest presence of God and the desire to be, to witness God's glory and then to be, um, you know, Moses came down the mountain and his face was so radiant that people were scared of him because he was reflecting God's glory. So not only we want to witness God's manifest presence, we want to witness his glory, but then we want to reflect that glory to the rest of the world. That mm -hmm. I think is what overall is the, is what the church is meant to be. Yeah. Yeah. I think uh, like Garrett was saying earlier, we're an embassy of, of the kingdom uh, of God. And, and to your question, Christian, about being what our purpose is, what the purpose of the church is. Um, there's a couple of verses I want to read uh, stuff that basically we've quoted without giving <clears throat> the, the reference of scripture. So, um, but the first thing you said is for me, like Garrett's saying, I agree with both of what you've said, obviously. And um, Romans 12, two always sticks out to me. That is always a passage of scripture that is in my head and sticks to me. Um, it says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing, you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. And I think our purpose as the church, our purpose, number one is to be transformed is to be transformed as a new creation in Christ. And then to go and do that. Our mission statement at church is love God, love others, make disciples. And if we're truly loving God, that means we're going to truly love others, which that is a transformation. We're being transformed because the nature of sinful human is not to love others. The nature of sinful human is to be selfish and get your own, you know, get, get, get your own, basically get what you want for yourself. And so that would be a transformation of that Christ is transforming us. Super important that we get that. It is not ourselves transforming ourselves. It is Christ transforming us and us being willing to accept that. And then making disciples. We are called to be the manifest presence of God, like Garrett is saying, and go and make disciples. Again, and it's not us making the disciples. When I baptize someone, um, I am not making that disciple. It is Christ working through me that is making that disciple. And that's where we're transformed, like he says in Romans, do not be conformed to this world. Don't fall into the patterns of this world. Don't be trapped. Like Garrett's saying, we're an embassy. You're in the world. You're you, the other, you know, when you walk off the steps of the church, so to speak, if we're using the embassy analogy, you're in the world, but we're not of the world. Um, we're in it. We live in it, but we are separate. We are not um, citizens of this earth. And that's what Paul says in Philippians three, but our citizenship is in heaven and we eagerly, eagerly await a savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. Our citizenship is not of this earth. And so that in my mind, along with what you said, Christian and Garrett, that is the purpose of uh, Christians. The purpose of the church is to be transformed, allow Christ to transform you through the truth of what he did on earth and on the cross and through the tomb and then go and allow him to work through you to transform other people um, so they can recognize him. And then John 15, um, John 15, 19 talks about, again, 
talking about being in the world and, and not of it. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own, but because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. And he's saying, because the world hated me first, it's going to hate you too, if you're acting like me. Um, so oddly, our goal should be that the world hates us. Not, not because we want people to hate us and Jesus, but because we live so much like him, they hated him first, that means they would hate us. Um, that doesn't mean we go around yelling at people and kicking dirt in their eyes. But because we love so much, people are going to dislike that. Um, uh, and it's going to be radical. So that's why I say I think Christians, followers of Jesus, should always stand out among the group because of their love, uh, because of their love for other people, because of their sacrifice for other people, not for our gain, but because we've been transformed and our desire is to transform others, allow Christ to work through us to transform others. And when I talked about the embassy, you know, that I wish I could take credit for that thought. That comes directly from Paul. That's he's writing to the Corinthians and uh, in second Corinthians chapter five, he's talking about, you know, how we are meant to be in Christ, how believers, the church is meant to be in Christ. And he says in in five, starting in verse 17 says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away and see the new has come. Now the old is the world. The new is Christ. He says, everything is from God who has reconciled us to himself through Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is in Christ. God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against him, and he has committed the message of reconciliation to us. Then he says in verse 20, therefore we are ambassadors for Christ. Since God is making his appeal through us, we, we plead on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. He made the one who did not know sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So Paul is saying, look, we were of the world. We were reborn through Christ. Now we're of God, but we're still in the world, even though we're now of Christ. So since we're of Christ, but in the world, we're ambassadors for Christ. Everywhere we step, we are still in the kingdom of God. We're standing in the soil of the kingdom of God. Where we go, the kingdom of God should go with us Mm. because we're ambassadors for Christ. But we also have to remember that we're in a world that's trying to chew Christ up and spit him out. And, and, you know, we're, we're among, um, we're, we're not going to have it easy while being ambassadors for Christ, but that's what we're meant to be. And that's what Paul is saying to the Corinthians in order to try to remind them because the Corinthians, they were starting to fall into debauchery. They were falling into, they, they were the church that was really the, the Corinthian location was one of the biggest like Roman populaces um, of that time. And it was, they were just really secularized, secularized. They were really um, adherents to just the kind of that Roman way of life of, of kind of, doing what you want, loving who you want, doing, um, basically throwing morality out the window. And the Corinthians were saying, well, now that I'm in Christ, I can kind of go and do what I want. Um, but Paul's saying, that's not how it works. You're in Christ. You're a new creation, but you're ambassadors for Christ to the world who isn't in Christ. And I think that's a message that the church really needs to hear that ecclesiology is about bringing the kingdom of God to the kingdom of man. And if we bring the kingdom of God to the kingdom of man, we're ambassadors for the kingdom of God. That means we're adhering to him first. We follow his laws and try to bring 
him to the rest of the world. That's the mission of the church. Yeah, that's good. Um, Well, guys, we hope you enjoyed our podcast today. Uh, This was our last series on Overlooked. Uh, We just want to thank you guys so much. We're going to do one more podcast this year that we encourage you to listen to. It's going to be on the incarnation of Christ. It's going to be a Christmas special. uh, And then we will kick off with, uh, I think actually next podcast, we'll announce our new series um, for the year 2021. It's going to be a fun series. Uh, I'm looking forward to it a lot, but thank you guys so much. Hey, reminders, if you have not subscribed either on Spotify or on Apple Podcasts, we encourage you uh, to do that. And hey, we would love it so much if you left us a review. Hey, tell us how bad we're doing. Tell us uh, what you like. Tell us what you don't like. Tell us if you have any questions or what you'd like to see. Uh, That would mean a lot to us. But we love you guys. Uh, I will close us out in prayer. And hey, join us for our next podcast on the incarnation of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. God, we love you. And we are so thankful for... um, God, Jesus Christ, and we're so thankful for his church and that we get to be a part of it and that we get to um, just unite together in worshiping you and fellowship with you, God, and communion with you. Uh, And God, help us as a church, uh, no matter our denomination, just help us as a church to to join in unity together uh, to point others to you. In Jesus' name, amen.